Okay, so I think Leo is the one that like has the frills and spits on Newman, right? What? Our our cat doesn't spit. Okay, okay. Well, what do we think? What do we think about Money Penny? What kind of dinosaur do we think she is? What do you think this is? Sorted. Well, listen. I just need everyone to know that we know what our dogs are. Artemis is a duckbill, and Teeny's a raptor. Yes. But it's it's really hard to, to figure out what kind of dinosaurs your cats are. Because cats are dinosaurs. They're not birds, babe. They could be. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. No, it's home dinosaurs. We're changing the podcast. It's just dinosaurs. It's all dinosaurs all the time, baby! Jurassic viewing. Jurassic viewing. That's a lot better, isn't it? Considering that we viewed two different Jurassics for this episode. After a month-long, at least, hiatus to deal with, I don't know, important stuff that isn't just talking about movies on a podcast... And let the world deal with some important stuff too that is still going on. We've, we're back. We're back, baby. Woo. Yes. Yes. If you are up for, you know, just two chuckleheads talking about. What did you just call me? I called you, me us. You dumb idiot. I'm not a dumb idiot. Are you trying to are you trying to do the bit from I think you should leave the Vanessa Bayer one? It has been a while since we've been here, but we are glad to be back. And we are glad to talk about the two movies that we watched this week to kick off, well, essentially kick off and close out our very small J section. It's the only J? Well, also the John Wick 1 and 2. But we already... We already did those last uh, year for our birthday special. So go listen to those. Yes, go listen to those if you want to do this in absolute I know alphabetical order. I know you've been missing us. Exactly. If you want to make up for it, just listen to us talk about John Wick 1 and John Wick 2. And I think a little bit of John Wick 3 because we had just seen it in theaters. Oh my gosh, we have to go... We have to buy that. We do have to buy that. You realize that this is the tendency that this co- podcast is oh, created to no. curve. Right? <laughs> But uh, the other J movies that we own are, on digital, Jurassic Park, and... So honest. List, and, and a Blu-ray tin that is made to look no, like a film canister. we drug the VHS out from 1993 and popped it in our player. We had to rewind it for days. I want to talk about this canister that the Blu-ray for Jurassic World okay, comes okay. in. Okay, okay, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. It's a tin canister that one of our dogs has bit, so it looks like a dinosaur bit it, kind of. Which isn't part of the intentional marketing, but that's the way I've decided to frame it. So it, it's made to look like a film canister, and it has a Blu-ray and a DVD, and I think a bonus disc in there, too. I'm it's not really a sure. bonus disc. I don't know. I think, actually, I think it's just the Blu-ray. Remember when bonus discs were just, like ridiculous like like watch this sing-along where the dinosaurs rap from a to z (laughs) or like here's a coloring sheet that came with your um dvd watch this video so you know how to do that oh god i I think you're talking specifically about bonus discs for children's movies right now no No, i mean i'm thinking about the lord of the rings bonus discs that had like super in-depth documentaries about the production (sighs) i know all you've been thinking about is lord of the rings lately i can't wait to get to l i can definitely wait wait to get to l so this week we covered i mean we uh, already talked about that jurassic puppies jurassic puppies as bethany calls it because our dogs remind us of the dinosaurs she called it that before. Or do we the even dinosaurs remind us of the puppies? Ooh, especially in Jurassic World. Dinosaur. But that's that's something that we're going to talk about second. First, you know what? Let's get in Jurassic Park. Let's do it. The park is open. But it's it's not though. Yeah. That wasn't what. It, that's it's not open in this. Yeah. It's a preview. Sure. Okay. Jurassic Park is so solid. I love this movie. It's really good. It it does that Spielberg thing where like... <gasps> I figured it out. What? I figured out what the problem is with the new one. What? It's because 
Michael Crichton's dead. Yeah, it has something to do with that. He I was a think. consultant on the first one. I mean, he he wrote a screenplay originally too, and then it was finished by another writer. But yeah, no. So Michael Crichton background in Hollywood, like he wrote he wrote multiple screenplays. Like Westworld is the the movie that was Michael Crichton. So no one's seen the movie. Some people have seen the movie. I haven't seen it. I want to because Yul Brynner is in it, and I like Yul Brynner a lot. But he uh, wrote the novel, Jurassic Park, and I'm pretty sure Spielberg was instantly like, gotta get that. Gotta make this. <laughs> it's interesting because he approaches... The way Spielberg approaches this is kind of like a monster movie. In some ways. Like you... Like all the momentum gets built up. Exactly. You don't see a... Di- like, there's no dinosaurs, like... Well, no, they, they show you dinosaurs, but they don't show you any carnivores until... Well, I think at least an hour into the movie. Like, I think this is a good example of him giving you just a tidbit of the horror that's to come at the very opening when you when you have the raptor cage scene. Oh, man. Because you, you're right. You never do see a dinosaur in that scene. You only mm-hmm. see them trying to handle them from outside of the cage and then the results of them leaving a gap where a worker can get bitten, you know, and get essentially torn apart like that he that's something that and i think maybe subconsciously i watched jaws this week just as a way to like compare the two but it's a technique that he's been using frequently he does something where he doesn't necessarily show you the threat directly but shows you the results of an encounter with the threat in jaws it was seeing someone writhing around and then a patch of red in the water without ever actually seeing anything of the shark you know like that and it's a technique that he uses really well in this movie, I think. Like, part of that, and, and we've all read the articles where, like, part of it is because, say, the, the T-Rex didn't work entirely. And when it got wet, it was kind of dangerous. So they couldn't necessarily show the whole animatronic at once. Hmm. But at the same time, the way that we only see it in parts, it sort of forces us to grapple with how big the T-Rex is in comparison to the actor's. Yeah. Yeah, and like, just, you sort of feel how terrifying it is. Well, did you, so what What I remember the most about Jurassic Park, I don't think I watched it till like, high school or something. I, I, I hadn't seen it But before. I remember as a kid watching Disney Channel, they had these little, like, behind the scenes things mm-hmm. where they showed you, like, the animatronics and all of that. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, I wonder if they're on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, and this is how they built... The, the dino- T-Rex, yeah. and they'd show, like, the hydraulics on the cars and stuff when they were, like, flipping them and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. No, I think about just, like, the puppetry and the practical of, of this. But also the CG. Like, the mm-hmm. way that they got around the issues with CG of the time, what they did, well, they put it all in the in the background, so, like, and they made it look like there was a heat haze, essentially. Yeah. So it was, like... It's still not... It's not hard to look at now, which I thought it might be. Yeah, especially because if you look at fully animated movies from back then, those are hard to look at. Like, we watched the beginning of A Bug's Life the other day, and I was just like, oh, hi, PS2. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still good. Like, the the motion is still pretty fluid for all of it, but the texture feels off. Monsters, Inc. wasn't as off. Well, yeah, because they literally figured out how to make fur work for that movie. But it's... I think the compositing worked really well. Like, it never really felt like they weren't on the screen with them. Like, they had been inserted from inserted from somewhere else. Yeah, and and the actors, though. Yeah. They really... The actors. They weren't like, whoa, there's a dinosaur. They weren't really trying to oversell it. They were, like, genuine, enthusiast, enthusiastic people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this movie works, is because of the actors. Like, sure, we can have all of the all of the camera trickery and, that we want, but I don't think you connect with this movie as emotionally, and I would say that Jurassic World exists as an argument for that, if you don't have well-written characters with actors know, knowing what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but I think just the setup in general is really great because it's mostly, like, 
two people that are so into the dinosaur world from yeah, a removed standpoint. Yeah. And then there's children. There's two children who are just like, you one know, of them, the one of them is a dinosaur geek. Yeah, one's a nerd, and then the other one's like also a nerd a jock. But for computers. Yeah, <laughs> but for computers. Yes, and at this, and so like you're seeing people who you're you're kind of coming at it with their perspective. You know, you're coming at it with the perspective of the enthusiasm of these kids and of Alan Grant. And then and, the and rock star math guy. Oh, well, Rockstar Math Guy is just there to be Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is there to play himself, as usual. Yes. <laughs> and it works. It, it works. He was a good insert, you know? I, I think... And I think the interesting thing is because you get such a variety of perspectives in here, so you can see it from multiple sides. You see it from the guy who's like, listen, chaos reigns. Chaos will always dictate that we can never predict the true outcome. You have that guy. You have the lawyer who at first is like, this is going to be a hazard, and then sees it as like, actually, I don't know that I really care that it's a hazard because of how much money we're going to make. <laughs> you have the paleontologist and the uh, prehistoric botanist. Like, and of course... God, how specialized is that? The rich old philanthropist who is just <laughs> kind of like Santa Claus with money, you know? We love him. No, Richard Attenborough is so good in this. I know his brother better. You... David Attenborough. Mm-hmm. I'm not confusing them, am I? No, it is okay. Richard. Yeah, in yeah. The Richard's in the movie. David's on yeah, planet. I don't think David has any actual acting credits other than the then- documentaries. <laughs> He's just a naturalist man. It's so interesting, though, because we watched most of The Great Escape, and then we didn't come back to it, and now it's not on Amazon Prime anymore. And Richard Attenborough is, like, the main British character in that movie. So he's the one who's, like, organizing the escape attempts. And you can... He doesn't look all that different. Like, you can see how he aged into that face, <laughs> having seen that and then seeing this. Ugh. I really like the cast of this movie, though. Because you've got Laura Dern. You've got Jeff Goldblum. You've got Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson is there. That's a wild card. He tells us twice to hold on to our butts. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I think, and maybe maybe it's just because they're all working really well. Uh, I don't know. They, they're good actors. <laughs> they're good actors. And the characters that they play are all, I don't even want to say likable, but believable. Yeah. In a way. They're very authentic. Yeah. I and mean, they don't try to oversell them either. It's like, this is what they do. This is their function. Then they put them in the park, basically. And... I think the choice to show um, Laura Dern and Sam Neill's characters on a dig in the first place yeah. is really smart, especially because you see him interacting with the kid on the dig with the with the raptor claw. Yeah. And like the way that Spielberg shoots it like a thriller in a way when he's telling when he's telling him about how Velociraptor hunts. But they it's it's amazing because and this is something that I was saying. There is no useless information in this movie. Yeah. It, it's very closely aligned with the book, though. And that I think that helps. Because there was a book nice... to follow. Yeah. The same guy wrote most of the script. Yeah. And it's like every single piece of information that we're given in the movie pays off later on. Yeah. The know? messaging was very clear. And it's like, it's... The, the first part where they're doing the weird, like, Epcot ride thing <laughs> with the cheesy dna uh mm-hmm. talking about graphic. we filled it in with frogs <laughs> <laughs> but then it pays off later in the movie it's, and it's very scary because they hadn't even sequenced the whole human genome yet and yet they were being they were kind of accurately depicting how someone would go about creating dinosaurs mm-hmm. now i don't know if any mosquitoes would have like blood in them after being fossilized and if there would be enough dna in there after billions of years <laughs> But it's it's a really great concept. It is. I I and you know it is all like right out of the book. But I think the thing is the information isn't just encoded verbally; it's encoded visually. You know, like I think about uh, I think about the little kid who eventually went on to play Dustin Moskovitz in the Social Network, and like him <laughs> geeking out about dinosaurs. But that. And like it's, he's meant to sort of be like this foil 
to Dr. Grant at first, you know? Like, he's like, oh, I'm not good at dealing with kids. I don't like dealing with kids. But then, because of that kid's dinosaur knowledge, that, that kid's dinosaur knowledge actually ends up, like, helping his sister, like, understand what they're dealing with in some ways, I think. And that gives Dr. Grant a way in to bond with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And to, like, understand, hey, maybe I do want kids at some point, you know? Which I th- Well, I don't think that has to be the message, though. I, I don't think-, think it's the message, but I think it's his plot. I think it is his plot is, like, learning to understand, hey... Kids, maybe okay. Like that, like... we probably He probably <laughs> saw himself in that little kid. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that Laura Dern in the movie kind of nudges him in that direction in some way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I'm, I like... They're together, right? They're, it's implied. I think they do say that they're together at one point, because I think um, Jeff Goldblum asks him, you and Dr. Sattler... <laughs> <laughs> and and he says yeah but it's it's never like necess- there's never like a big romantic moment between them which i like yeah i like because it sh- it prioritizes their working relationship over their romantic relationship and shows them like as well scientists and explorers yeah it's you know? also good to see a female phd on yes. in a movie yes who is arguably more competent than her male counterparts i'm I mean, she's the one who gets the power back on, you yeah, know? she's very cool. She's so cool. Like, but, okay. woman, woman kills dinosaur, or a uh, woman kills man, woman inherits the earth, or something like that. Yes, they literally say that yes. in the movie. And I was like, what? Her, her lines are iconic. Yeah. But, like, she never, she's not presented as someone who's, like, sacrificed her femininity to be able to. To rise in her field, which is something that I feel like we saw a lot there. We saw these, like, like business ice queens in the ni- 80s and 90s, you know, so in this era. So there was, like, this this idea that's like, oh, if you want to be successful in your field, you have to close off your femininity or weaponize it. I think Dr. Sattler isn't necessary, and, you know, I'm a man watching this, so I can't necessarily... Encode, encode it and like synthesize it in the same way but I feel like Dr. Sattler is someone who is just a woman who is good at her job and they don't yeah they don't like a, really hit on the character. they're not like oh you're a woman so you need to make sure you make you watch after the kids or like anything and, and super the, polarizing like that and there's a point where she's like going to turn off the power and Richard Attenborough's like Hammond is like are you sure you're and he's, she's like please come on <laughs> And yeah, she's also very confident. Yeah, she she's like able to take charge without like losing herself. She's not just a caricature. None of the characters, except for well, no, like not even that. I would say that maybe the character played by by Wayne Knight, like the uh, the corporate spy slash programmer. <laughs> he was a joke. He was a joke. But also, he's the same joke that Wayne Knight has been playing his entire career, first of all. And I have met programmers who are actually like that. So, he's an accurate joke, if anything. (laughs) Um, I think, like, I mean, I don't know how to, like, even pick out an individual sequence. What do you mean? In this movie. Like, like one that I would want to, like, break down. No, we don't have to break it down. Let's compare it. Well, 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 I just want to say, standout, standout moments, all the raptor stuff. The raptors are puppeted so well and, like, played so well by the people who are in the costumes and puppeting it. But I think, this is an example, when, when the raptors make make the kill, when they get Muldoon, it's because... The one in the front has distracted him, allowing the pack to come around and hunt him. Uh. And then you get a clever girl. That, <laughs> oh! No. It's, but it pays off exactly what Grant was saying at the beginning of the movie. So that's your standout moment? That's... I really like when the when the T-Rex, like, messes with the car that the kids are oh, in. Oh, and is, like, smashing the car? Yeah. Just... They, those kids were so good yeah. at acting. Oh, absolutely they were. Like, you, you were, like... I don't know. I felt like Spielberg is always good with kids. Scared. Yeah, Spielberg is always good with kids. He did it in ET. He did it in Jaws. Right. Like, they're naturally there. They're not like 
put there as a burden to anyone. I mean, this guy wanted to show the kids the park. And the dialogue is like dialogue that you could envision kids yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. It's It feels real and lived in. It's not like... I don't... And I don't mean this in a bad... I don't mean this as a slight against Wes Anderson, but it's not like a like a Wes Anderson kid where it's, they're just... But, and, and it makes sense for Wes Anderson's style of movie. But like, it's... It works! It works! It works so well! I love this movie. Um, and then, of course, uh, I just want to say something about the last like few minutes. Because what's amazing to me is that I looked at how much time was left in the movie when we hadn't even seen the raptors in the kitchen yet. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was only 30 minutes left. Because there are so many things that I think of as being, like, standout points in the movie. But I didn't feel like I had been sitting there for an hour to get to them. Yeah, yeah. The movie is so well paced. Mm-hmm. Every scene means is meant to get you to the next scene. There's not filler in it. I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. Yeah, there's usually, like... They're going towards a goal, and then there's some dialogue, and then there's action. And it's it's you and could it's probably break this up into four like parts. Like it feels very like actish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the thing is, it doesn't slow down in the final act, and I think mm-hmm. that's what's what really makes it work because a lot of movies can get sluggish at that point. Or oh yeah. Sluggish in the middle. Middle. But it never mm-hmm. is sluggish because they because okay so they they come into the park. They do the tour of the of the like facility. They have then the they dinner. send them yeah, and then they send them out on the um on the uh, track tour. The track tour, and then the, while the hurricane is coming, right? Out. And then during the tour, they find a dinosaur down. Yeah, and then they get out of the cars. They stop the car. Like it, it's like it's like a very much everything is like slowly ratcheting forward, but mm-hmm. but it's never slow. It's always in a way that keeps you engaged. There's yeah. always something happening in the right. frame. Thing. It's very much a building kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think... I just want to talk about the final shot. What's which, the final shot? The fin- or final shots. Which is Grant in the helicopter as they're getting off of the island. Looks out over the water and sees pelicans flying. And Dinosaur! Just, well, yeah! That's the point! It's because he's talking about... They've mentioned it several times about how they're like birds. Mm-hmm. And they, then, are, they are birds. And then... Yeah, how they are birds, essentially. and he's Birds the- are reptiles. I'm just going to put it down no, here. No, birds aren't reptiles. Yes. No. Yes. Anyway, and he's looking out and he sees, like, after having, like, had to deal with this previous life form, like, this prehistoric life form that has taken over this island, he sees a modern life form that is still, like, holding its own in the skies. And it's kind of this idea of life finds a way that Jeff Goldblum has, like, <laughs> laid out the whole time. Like, it's it's this idea, it's like, even if we hadn't gotten rid of them, even if they hadn't gone extinct, they'd still be here. Because look, there they are, mm-hmm. flying over the yeah. ocean. And the just, dinosaurs didn't die, they just evolved. It's this this nice roundness, you know? It feels whole. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about a movie that does not feel hey, whole now? Hey, okay, okay. The first 30 minutes of Jurassic World. Exciting. Are they? Don't you want a dinosaur theme park? Don't we all want a dinosaur theme park? The thing is, you're more of a theme park nerd than I am. Zoo Tycoon, the dinosaur version. Dino Digs. Is that what it's called? I think so. I don't know. I loved that. I just... but It's so cool to think about. Okay, well, we didn't even mention the John Williams score, and I wanted yeah, to mention whatever. it Yeah, whatever. We don't have to do that. I want to mention it now, because sure. they don't use the score well in this movie, in this yeah, reboot. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it takes us... We see the opening shot is the baby dinosaur hatching from the egg. Puppeted very well. Animated very Mm -hmm. well and creepily. Like, (laughs) in kind of an imitation of the hatching scene in the first film. Yeah. It's... It very much wants to be an imitation of the first film. But it wants to say, what if the park had succeeded? Right. It's... And that, which just doesn't necessarily make sense. The premise itself is off. Because they've... I I mean, I guess the idea is, well, with advantages in technology and further research, we could make the park safer and make it succeed. But it... I just... mm, 
I yeah, guess but it's a natural one, progression with capitalism. One, yeah, it is a commentary on capitalism in one way, which would be way more believable if the movie itself didn't only exist because of capitalism. We, it, this is a movie mm. that did not need to be made. Come on. <laughs> I, <Did> it? It's... <laughs> It looks exactly like what I would want a dinosaur theme park to look like, though. Sure. Oh, but, but going going back to it being a copy, they even did write down to the the goat thing how they like um yeah, how they the had goat, the the but it was used, like a cow in the first movie. It, right? No, it was a goat. Oh, it was a goat. It was a goat. The the goat to lure. The they snacks, got worse but, with it though. But the they goat the goat gruesome. is there, and then they added the um the flare. Because they knew that the T-Rex had chased the flare before. So they put the flare next to the goat. So, the, <sighs> so dumb. It's so dumb. And it's, it's like actively kind of insulting to Spielberg. It could in my have opinion. been very good. So, because... Who did you know this how one? I, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Who made... Uh, he, he made that uh, movie with Aubrey Plaza and... Uh, the, the guy who played the midwife on the Mindy Project with the time travel. Oh, the hot tub thing. Right? No, that's not hot tub no. time machine. But the, it's some something required. Something else. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and he also made The Book of Henry, which is, what is that? a movie that bank, Blank Check just completely shat on. Oh, no. <laughs> so this man has a history of not being And he was good. going to make Star Wars... Um, Oh, the God. Star Wars Episode Nine, and supposedly his script was actually pretty okay. It's it. I read the summary. It still sounded like nonsense. Basically, unless they had given it to Ryan, Episode Nine was always going to be garbage. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Star Wars podcast. Uh, this isn't a Star Wars podcast, so we're not going to talk about that right now. He he he's the one who got fired and led to JJ taking over. Um, and here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing. He started the action too early in this movie. When he, does the f- first action? Do you think like when they I can't find the thirty minutes in? Thirty minutes in when the Ooh. when the dinosaur like first gets out. I want to say maybe, it's more like more forty-five like 40. to an hour in the other one. But it, yeah, and this one was too long. Wasn't it longer than long. the first one? Yeah, far too long. Like, and and here's here's my issue. Our protagonists in this one are scientists, and the closest thing we have to a bad guy is someone who wants to sell the uh, sell the embryos, essentially. They, and, they're not scientists. And the the protagonists. The in, well, in the in the original, in Jurassic. Oh, in Park, the original, yeah, they're in Jurassic yeah. Park. The protagonists are scientists, and the closest thing we have to an antagonist is well, Wayne Knight. The and then after he gets eaten, it becomes the T Rex. Yeah, the T-Rex in one way. He's more, if anything, he's just a force of nature. Like, or she's just a force she. of nature. <laughs> exactly. And... Her pronouns are she, her. Yes. Well, I think the, the issue is because of the frog DNA, all their pronouns were probably more like they, them. <laughs> probably, because birds don't have the same X and Y. Yeah, and that's, and that's that the issue. Do. Yeah. Because... It's a little faulty. The, the science is out. <laughs> well, it's no, it's it's pretty tight considering some other things that are in science for, fiction. For what it was at that time. Oh yes, it's yeah. well. Read the if you read the book, it's very tight. Oh yeah, Crichton always does that. Uh, I should read it again. Um, I think the thing is here, the people who we're supposed to side with are a former Navy man who I guess is a behavioralist. But that's, doesn't seem to have any yeah, academic Yeah, how did he even get involved with the Raptors? He just seems kind of thrown in there. And a corporate businesswoman who does do the th- who does do the thing that I was talking about. What thing? Where they where they're like, mm, she's she's cold. She doesn't care about her family. Yeah, she's, her sister su- keeps throwing her under the bus. She puts success above everything. They're it's like just some gung ho military dude and a. <clears throat> frankly sexist caricature and then two kids that like that one kid who's one kid who's a nerd one kid who's just simon before he figured stuff out what nick robinson love simon love simon i don't remember that movie love simon am i supposed to know this is simon when he was still trying to figure out that he was straight because that's the the one consistent thing with him is that 
He doesn't care about anything except yeah, for girls. Yeah, he doesn't care. So the kids, the kids aren't even characterized at all. He like half cares about his brother, but even when he tries to show it, it really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the kids get like. His they're, mom they're, they're, starts freaking out when she was like, yeah, I, I left them alone. She was like, you know how mean he can be to his brother. I'm like, then why did you let them on a vacation together, you right? dummy? <laughs> there's there's one, like, truly great shot of the movie. And Which that's... One? Chris Pratt doing no. the dinosaur pose? Okay, two truly great shots oh, okay. of the movie. It's Chris Pratt doing the, doing the pose with the raptors. And then, in the intro, when... You see the foot slam down on the white earth, and then it pans up to see that it's a crow's foot. <laughs> <laughs> because it it's just plays in with the... They tried so hard in that intro. Man. Yeah. You, I thought this was going to be, like, I And you see, the thing better. is, I liked this movie a lot in the theater. Yeah. I absolutely did. Well, because we were end- seeing it with a crowd of people who were, like, hype as hell. And, like... Yeah. And because it is something that was designed to be viewed on a big screen... Because, unfortunately, it's all, like, fights and CGI spectacle and barely any heart, you know? Yeah. The attempts to inject heart into there, well, you have, like, the, uh, oh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt went on a date together once. Maybe there's something still there that doesn't really make sense because they don't even seem to actually like each other. But I have to say... Bryce does what she can with this. Yes. She's by far the best character in this movie. I think she and Jake Johnson, who is in a throwaway yes. part in the control room. <laughs> and, and is wearing the Jurassic Park, Park t-shirt. t-shirt. And they're like, man, you shouldn't be wearing that. And People he's like, die. what? But, but, but then he's also like, but wasn't it cool, though? So it's like... It was very funny. But, again, shitting on the last movie. But why? I just, I just want to say... And, like, there's... It doesn't make sense that, like, after all the things they did with raptors... I mean, it makes sense that capitalists would want to weaponize raptors. Sure. I can't believe that... Mm. It's it's just... This is, like, extrapolation of the original that makes no sense. The weirdest part was adding the, like, water dinosaur thing. Oh, yes. And then... (laughs) And this, this is the thing that made me actively angry watching this time is they feed him a great white shark wait really they feed that water dinosaur a giant great white hanging down from a hook yeah there's a lot of animal cruelty in this one it's 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 a dead great white hanging down from a hook and he jumps up and eats it which is just them saying jaws ain't shit like, and the first one, the the goat didn't have like a face or anything. It was just like a body of a goat. I no, think. no, it no. A, had a face. It was a real, a goat. real goat. It was a real live goat. But because remember, the entire thing was T Rex doesn't want to f- be fed. T Rex wants to hunt. So like, no, there's. I mean, the animal cruelty makes sense because you're feeding giant. Carnivores. But it's just larger in this movie. Now the thing, and I will give you credit for this, as a concept, they executed Jurassic World. The park. The park. Very well. Yes. It's very well executed. It's frankly looks beautiful, but I think they spent too much time on the concept of the park and not enough time figuring out how to make the park, well, threatening in a way. Because, like, you don't... It's also kind of boring that they, like, stole the same exact idea where ride malfunctions, they get in some kind of peril... Like, yeah, it's it's just all the same kind yeah. of beats over and over. But now the dinosaur is man-made. It can camouflage. It can hide from heat sensors. It's like, yeah. come on. It felt like military uh, on. propaganda. Yes. Well, and in some ways anti-military in others. Because you got Vincent D'Onofrio, who also is doing like the best job that he can. Like, they... They hired good actors. They just didn't give they them tried. a yeah. good script. And they hired Chris Pratt, who's just being a Chris Pratt character. I think We won't go the into thing Chris is, Pratt. The Lego movie two did a really good job what? of making fun of that specific character that Chris Pratt has been playing oh, in all man. the action movies. Is that the Batman one? Uh no, no, that's oh. no, there's Lego Batman, but then there's also Lego Movie Two. Where the, I don't think I ever saw it. No, I saw part of it, but Basically, he plays Emmett, the everything is awesome, super enthusiastic. He plays basically Andy. 
Oh, he's still in it. In the first, but he's making fun of himself. So he plays Andy in the first one. He plays yeah. two characters in the sec in the second. Oh, one. Em- Emmett Burkowski and then Kick Butowski. Kick Butowski is the action hero, Chris Pratt. He has raptors on his Lego right, spaceship. We've, we've already talked too much about this. Well, I'm just saying there <laughs> are two eras of Chris Pratt. There's Chris Pratt, the goofy dude. Yeah. Goofy chubby, married to Anna Ferris. Yeah. There's Chris Pratt, and then there's the in-between Chris Pratt, which is when he was in Guardians and still uh, on Parks, and when Anna Ferris was like, hey, I'm going to get him chubby again, I promise. And then there's Chris Pratt post Anna Ferris divorce. But, Born but again the thing Christian, is, marries a Schwarzenegger. The thing is, that Chris Pratt was probably always in there. Mm-hmm. He that's just, the worst part. Yep. It's just like... Because wasn't he in the military too or something? No. No, that was... No. That was I'm thinking that of... That was Adam Driver. Adam Driver, who has been, gone the opposite way. He's <laughs> only gotten better over time. <laughs> better with age. Absolutely. Ugh. Chris, Chris, this was one of like the beginning of the end roles for me with Chris Pratt. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to see him in a truly comic role again, which no, I think... we're not. I think he is... He's a Republican now. Yeah, that's that's the problem. But the I end. think he's like better suited for comedy. I just I sure he can be a charismatic leading man, but he's just one of a set now. Yeah. When he was when he's he was no Keanu. Doing, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> there is nothing like uniquely talented about Chris Pratt. No. He was great at improv. He was great at Pratt Falls. Mm-hmm. He was a really good, like, physical comedy actor. Yeah. And now he's just a generic action hero. And it's it's sad, frankly. Well. And this movie kind of, like, was just, is just like a step on the, on the way for him. They let him have some cracks. They let him have some jokes. But still. Barely. They were mostly at the, and, and they were mostly at the expense yeah, of Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Which was not cool. Yeah. Bri- Don't even get me started on the stupid heels. And like the, mm. well, I now. Here's the thing, I liked I liked the like three people of color that were in that movie. Yeah, they could have done way better with that. And like you have the 2015 uh, or whatever this came out. Yeah, you have the uh, uh, African dude who's who's spe- the uh, French speaking African mm-hmm. dude who is working with Chris Pratt on the raptor cages. Hey, maybe just. Have that character instead well, of Chris like, Pratt character. Wouldn't they hire people from around the area? Don't you think most of them would be Spanish-speaking people? Mm-hmm. Like and that drove me nuts. Like, mm, mm, if you're like, why wouldn't you hire from Costa Rica? Yeah. And then, of course, the Indian billionaire is the guy who makes the terrible, oh, the that terrible was... decision to like. He's like, oh. you know what? I'll fly the helicopter in. And he's the one who results in, you know, essentially the aviary getting let loose and the actual true disaster happening. His character was bad. Badly. Yeah, just badly characterized. And you have B- Not even a good kind of villain. B.D. Wong, whose character as the, scienti- as the scientist in the first movie was yeah. like good. He was just like, sure, he was like a little calculating, but he was like genuinely into it. And they turn him into a villain in this one. Also, why it's isn't like, he running the park if he's been there so long? Exactly. What is Claire doing in charge? <laughs> Uh, it's and oh let's see uh violence against women for comedy purposes when they uh when they throw kate mcgrath between pterosaurs and into the mouth of the uh of the mosasaur Uh, it's like yeah why was she even there like it didn't have a good function mm -hmm. it's i've watched merlin she's great (laughs) i've watched supergirl she's pretty good in that too oh yes i forgot about supergirl it's it's one of these things where it's just it could have been yeah could have had it, it, all. it had the bones but like they show all of the Indominus <laughs> so early they don't even try to hide what it is it's just a stupid concept it's honestly like, mm, it's it's like a bad comic book movie well the thing is like I think you would have to fill in the gaps with other DNA if you made a dinosaur. Uh, which they establish in the first but one. But why would you need it to be a super functioning military like? <laughs> like what? What? It, it just tried. They had to do way too much. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I I really did like and that I thought was emotionally poignant was when the Raptors turn on Pratt but then come back to him. Like, yeah, blue. Yeah. 
We love blue. We love blue. We love blue. We don't love, like, anything else in this movie. We love Bryce. We love blue. We love Bryce. We love blue. We like Vincent. We like B.D. Wong. We don't like the character he's playing. Yeah. And it's like, do better. Do better, Universal. God, can can I just can I just say something about Fallen Kingdom real quick? What is that? Oh, you blocked it from your mind. Is that the second one? Yeah. No, let's not talk about that. <laughs> that was The dinosaurs look worse. They try to it's... do a haunted house thing. Yeah, a dinosaur a haunted clone. house. There's a human yeah. clone. And also like James Cromwell is there. For a character who's only referenced in the books and never on screen in the series. It's like... Do yourself a favor and don't watch that. Don't watch it. Am I still going to see the threequel that comes out next year? Are they still trying to do that? Yeah. Where are they going to go from here? Well, I mean, the concept is the dinosaurs are now out in the world. They live among us. Because remember, the final shot was the Mosasaur in the wave that the dude was surfing. And the T-Rex at the San Diego Zoo with the lion. But it's just... I've already done that on Zoo Tycoon. It doesn't end well. Exactly. It's just like, basically, make an original movie, maybe. Don't, like, go sullying and then making fun of the legacy of, well, one of the best movies out there. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I wasn't into dinosaurs, I would enjoy Jurassic Park, you know? But let's be honest. Everyone's into dinosaurs. Everyone's into dinosaurs. Ugh. Let's go to the concession stand. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Steampunks, a podcast about badass women in the history of steam. Steam? So like, old trains and boats and stuff? No. Well, I mean, yes, but no. Steam stands for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh, like how Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer, like, ever? Exactly. Awesome. I want to learn more about Steampunks. And you will. And so will anybody who tunes in every other Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Join me and Emily on Steampunks every other Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam-powered horses. I need to talk to you about cute dinosaurs. Cute dinosaurs? Cute dinosaurs. Now, I think, and listen, this is going to be a controversial opinion. I think them raptors are pretty cute. Like, sure, they're sinister, but, like, they have a pack bond. They care for each other, and they're lovely. Sick triceratops, also pretty cute. The the dinosaur petting zoo was, you know. The dinosaur petting zoo and the rides. Yeah, that was, you know, dreams right there. Like, and that's, and that's, like we said, Jurassic World gets the theme park stuff so right. It could have been so good. It could have been so good, but it was always going to end in a lot of dead dinosaurs and people. And that's, I think, I think Trevor, like, relishes in the dinosaur trauma in that one. Yeah, I don't like Like, that. Like, the, I will say the practical for, like, the brontosaurus dying was pretty good. But also that brontosaurus dying scene was, like, rough, you know? And then the pan up to see, like, just the field of dead brontosaurus? Uh, I don't think any dinosaurs actually, like, get hurt in the first one. Yeah. Because, remember, um, Laura Dern stays with that one triceratops that gets wounded. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... It's pretty much implied that it dies. (laughs) It's not wounded. It's just sick. Oh, it's sick? Yeah, it's sick. Uh So it's not implied that it dies necessarily i mean t-rex gotta hunt what what kind of dinosaur medicine do you have but at least it's not hunting well no they said he she gets sick like every six weeks or so so what it does i think it has to do with like the blooming cycle of that particular plant oh she eats modern plants and their dinosaur body can't why wouldn't you give them different plants and that's the thing that laura dern pointed out see the first movie if a dinosaur gets hurt, it's for plot reasons. The second movie, if a dinosaur gets hurt, it's because Colin Trevorrow is a demon. <laughs> With that in mind, are it's you ready to rate? It's because he's not a scientist. Are you ready to rate? How are we going to do it? 
I mean, I, we got to rate each movie individually, I think. Yeah. Okay. And I think we've got to rate it out of Mosquitoes and Amber. For the first one? We can change it up for the other one. Yeah, for the first one, let's do Mosquitoes and Amber. Okay. Um, five. Five? I am being... Come on. Yeah. Every good thing that I've said about this movie, how do I not give it a five? Like, five out of five. Straight up, this is a perfect film. It is perfectly paced. Not a bit of dialogue is out of place. Every character has motivations that make sense. It has a start, a middle, and an end. It tells a story in order, and that story is self-contained. And it could benefit from sequels. Perhaps there was a good one that the uh, reboot ignored, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I've never read Michael Crichton's The Lost World. I I wouldn't know. But I I have. I really like that book. Um, The point that I'm making is... It is... The, like, if we were doing this like we used to do this podcast, if we were saying, having to say what worked and what didn't work, mm-hmm. I could not tell you anything that didn't work for Jurassic Park. It's a five. This is, I don't want to, I, I don't know if this is the first five I've given. I don't think so. I think there's. I, I think I've given another five before, but this is perhaps the movie most deserving of a five that we've watched so far. Well. Yeah. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a 4.5. What do, you de- of, what do you deduct the Because half point of for? the guy that was trying to steal the embryo, he was not very good. He was funny. He was funny. a foil. And what he did, I, he's, his only function was to start the other chaos, basically. Because without that, then the ride wouldn't have shut down. But his motivation the, made sense. It did. Especially but it was, the way he was characterized. I don't know. It was kind of loose, in my opinion. Otherwise, everything else perfect. Down to the museum destruction at the end. The banner fluttering down. <laughs> God, iconic. Truly iconic. All right. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, Jurassic World. What are we rating this one out of? T-Rex plushies. I was going to rate it out of margaritas. Oh, What? Because Jimmy no Buffett, in the- Jimmy Buffett grabs his margaritas when the pterosaurs attack. Uh, that was pretty. It was pretty funny. A, 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 a rare bright spot in. A fair well, I was just thinking about the gift shop how they had all that merch. Okay, T Rex plushies. Because uh, honestly, I think this is perfect because I think the T Rex plushie is the embodiment of this movie in that it's a cash grab. <laughs> so, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? What do you want? You know what? I'll go. Okay. Two. Two? Two out of five T-Rex plushies. I think there is more bad than good in this movie. I think that it didn't focus enough. It's like, it learned the wrong lessons from the first movie. Like, what it's like, oh, audiences want Dinosaur Go Roar. That's not what we wanted. What we wanted were human stories that dinosaurs are affecting and that are affecting the dinosaurs. Instead, this was just, oh, capitalism bad, maybe? (laughs) Also, forced kiss at the end. Make no sense. (laughs) Your turn. Oh, my God. Let me give it a 2.37. Ooh, 2.37. Okay. Because the world building in the beginning was very good. But we're both, like, on the low end of the spectrum on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you could, like... The dinosaurs were there as props. No one cared about actually conserving them. Like, the rides and stuff weren't really educational. It was just ride around in a hamster pod. Like, the they had that one museum spotlight with the, holo, like the holograms. I think but, it, like, a petting zoo? And I think it also did a good job of making fun of, like, corporate-sponsored theme parks, too. Like, yeah, the yeah. Gi- the Jimmy funny. Fallon in the, uh, in the orb, I was like, it's a perfect parody of sort of the way that a lot of theme parks are leaning, which is leaning on corporate sponsorships and celebrities rather than craft to yeah. make the thing work. Um, yeah. I've never been on the Maelstrom, and I never will be, because it's frozen yeah. now. So, well, you've never been on the Elton DeGeneres ride, but... Oh, and I've never been on the True Figment ride either, so... Oh, man. Well... I mean, Disney's still a leader in theme parks, though. 
they're good theme parks, I w- but they're you going... Would, I have to say... Hey. Uh, well, just think about think about this. Remember the first time we went to Mexico at Epcot? And then remember the second time we went to Mexico at Epcot? <sighs> and the difference was they had released Coco, and they only did songs from Coco rather than, like, actual traditional mariachi songs. And it sucked. No, it didn't. It didn't suck. It was really cute. The songs from Coco were great. <laughs> okay? But... It wasn't the same. It's becoming less about cultures, the, less about the cultures, more and about... more about promoting Disney properties. Which, to be fair, Disney is a monopoly. But that being said, where else can you visit a um, essentially a world's fair that runs year round? And that, and that is where I'll give it to you. Uh, we're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. <laughs> Shows include Sorted, Green Mountain Mysteries, No Dice. Steampunks. Yeah, and them's the facts. You can Ooh. check out all of those great shows <laughs> on pocketpodcastnetwork.com. You can follow us on Twitter. On Twitter. Yes. <laughs> at, home, at Home Viewing Pod. I couldn't remember the handle wow. for a second, but our handle is Home Viewing Pod. So you can follow us there. And, you know, you can uh, go back, look at our back catalog. A lot of the movies that we've covered are on streaming now. I know that if anyone has picked up HBO Max, which if you have HBO in any capacity, like even if you have like a cable subscription with HBO, you'll be able to access it. You should be able to watch Contagion right now, which Oof. may be too stressful for you. I understand. No, do it. It's wonderful. But it's also like a great movie. So like, check it out. Definitely check it out. Our theme music is by The Organ Machines, who recently released a new song, and that's available on Spotify or wherever you get your music. Definitely worth checking out, and their last album was also just really great, too. But until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Don't buy any more theme never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying it, I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.